And welcome back to the PCS Podcast, your home for all things competitive Pokemon TCG. In this episode, Justin and I are going to be diving into the results from Knoxville and the Bochum Regional, as well as a brief uh, touch on the IG Championship results. We'll dive into a quick MetaShare study regarding our current standard format, and then we're going to do something resembling a listener question, but not quite and then we'll finish up the show with our predictions for the perth regionals coming up justin how are you buddy i'm doing good i'm uh surviving on a little bit of sleep i got in late late last night and had to wake up nice and early uh for work today but i flew back in from the knoxville regionals uh where i played it was a lot of fun how are you doing man I'm good, but before we talk about me, man, do you care to touch briefly on your uh, experience in Knoxville, man? Yeah, it was um, it was a great run. Um, I went, I finished uh, final record for the day it was five three and one, um, so just one win away from making my day two uh, invite. So a little unfortunate there, but my losses were uh, Xander Perot. Uh, you know, incredible player that we've talked about multiple times. Uh, Connor Fenton, which I actually almost won, and I did a little misplay that literally cost me the second game after I won the first game, and then proceeded to break game two or three, and so, you know, that happens. And then, of course, my final round, or not final round, but my uh, my last loss was against Control. Um, double Ice Q, double Thornton, and double Eldegoss is not good for Reggie's, so that was uh, interesting for sure. That person definitely woke up and chose violence against Reggie's, and yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, finished 203rd. Uh, I'm actually going to do a little article for our Patreon members, um, going going a lot more in depth on my run itself, um, so look out for that, all you guys, that guys and gals that you know follow our Patreon. Um, yeah, and just had an absolute blast. Day two, went back and we did some cubing from my Wizards of the Coast cube and uh, did it mutant style. So it was super cool seeing like, you know, a Growlithe evolving into, um, or a Moltres evolving into an Arcanine, into a Typhlosion and stuff like that. I had that going on in my deck. So super, super fun. Um, all around just an amazing trip. And, you know, I can only hope to have the same experience at other regionals. Yeah, that's super sick. I'm super duper jealous um as far as um my weekend went i i went to san jose uh one of my childhood heroes patrick marlowe who was drafted by the sharks in 97 uh he played for the most consecutive seasons as as an nhl player and mostly all with one team towards the end he did get traded away but uh this is the first number ever retired in san jose regardless so it was a very historical moment yeah, and for those who don't understand, when you retire a number, uh, any player in that franchise for the remainder uh, doesn't get to wear number twelve. So it was a. It, I was definitely choked up. He brought a lot of historic players that I grew up watching uh, to be there for the ceremony. He talked uh, a lot of shit about them, which was super fun as well. It was kind of like a roast, but also comboed with like a great ceremony. Uh, but nice. I I loved every second of it. But wife and I had to drive through some pretty scary terrain as it was snowing over the pass. And typically it's like a four hour drive to get from here to San Jose. Um, this then this one ended up being closer to like seven or eight just because of wow. all the snow and the, and the hazards and stuff like that. But we left super early knowing that it was going to be like that. 
Um, other than that, I watched a ton of Pokemon this weekend. I also watched the Halo Championship series, which is back. It's another thing I'm super duper into. And Optic One. So if you're a fan of Phase, sucks to suck Phase down. Um, <laughs> but one of the regionals that we watched this weekend in terms of Pokemon TCG was the Knoxville Regional. And I'd love to go into that with you. Yeah, um, and before we go, I'll go ahead and read this. The results recap is powered by Ultimate Guard when it's time to upgrade your TCG storage or just to receive your favorite deck. Be sure to check out Ultimate Guard's premium accessories, which I, in fact, use their new Cortex sleeves and absolutely love them um, at Knoxville. I use the red ones. Great product. Um, they last me all day, no issues, even through a deck check. So, yeah, it was they're, they're great. Yeah, super sick. So, Knoxville. 1139 masters and this this these regionals just keep getting bigger and bigger like uh, it's not as big as orlando obviously but uh i didn't think that this one would have this type of show out but what won the whole thing man yeah so in first place we have um a name we just happened to talk about from the last regionals <laughs> yes. in uh andrew hedrick um who gets to join the club of very few people who have won a regional back-to-back um he was playing Lugia V-Star, um, just like he played in Orlando. A uh, little more streamlined, less techs. But, uh, yeah, still rocking the Lugia, and obviously shows he can pilot it to a first-place finish more than once. Yeah, for sure. Chose to go with the third Lugia V-Star, no capturing aroma in this specific list. Um, you know, it stays pretty consistent. You're running the single Irida to go search out that card, plus a water Pokemon. Um, is running the uh, the Dunsparce, the Pumpkaboo, and the Manaphy in this list. So you're basically locking out a lot of Reggie-type flavored things. So it seems like a pretty good deck. Only the single Vacuum and the Pumpkaboo to bounce the path to the peak, though. So flew a little close to the sun in that specific area. But nonetheless, this you know it's still a very powerful and uh, consistent Lugia list. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, the Definitely the way that they're teching these are like, I'm not going to get stuck behind a path um, by any means whatsoever and just go all in. You know, it's something that if you do stick a path, it's going to suck. Um, but what's crazy is, at least I saw, there was, there was a good amount of Aerodactyl there, so it's kind of interesting that he was able to get through unscathed um, without a canceling cologne because... Yeah, they were, they were running rampant trying to stop the Lugias, but it didn't work for Andrew, or it didn't uh, stop Andrew whatsoever. Yeah, you would think with the next deck that we're going to talk about that Aerodactyl would have proved to be very difficult against them as well. And we're talking about Brandon Salazar's Eternatus and Galarian Weezing deck. And I so badly wanted this to win <laughs> because I would have been right. <laughs> it, did, it did really seem like nobody teched for wheezing and that's why eternatus ended up where it's at yeah whenever i heard that wheezing was going or not wheezing but eternatus wheezing was going into top eight uh it was kind of like a what moment i'm like okay cool so it's gonna get knocked out right away it's like oh wait it's in top four. Oh wait it's in the finals like what is going on and <laughs> yes. um you know it's just it's absolutely wild i didn't since i was there i didn't really watch any games or any streams other than just you know what was going on around me at the time. Um, but I heard that uh, the only reason why Andrew really won was because he hit what he needed when he 
needed it like perfectly timed. So it's kind of if he had whiffed that one card or whiffed that second card, you know, would Eternatus be our winning deck for this regional? So I mean, it's kind of crazy to see it go as far as it did. Yeah, uh, but what's really difficult about the Weezing and Lugia matchup is you just gotta stop putting down Crobats at some time in the game. Like, just set up Weezing, ascend into one of them, and then try to spiral the game that way. You know, hit them with a Judge and a Marnie a couple times. One of them's bound to stick, but it seemed like every turn Andrew was able to hand attach energy to something to set up a backup attacker. And Brandon just kind of said, you know, this is this is Eternatus at the end of the day. I'm going to establish my board state and get it to where it needs to be. And that proved to be really, really problematic. In all my playtesting, when I was running something with a wheezing spine to it, I just didn't put anything else down until the judge stuck. You get them down to a solid two-card hand, force them to have, like, the big parasol, the Temple of Sinnoh, plus the switch-out counter simultaneously, and that really extends the... Um, the amount of tax you're putting on a Lugia deck, but the stars didn't line up for Eternatus at this event, and I think that this might have been the last one where Weezing could have really put in a lot of work, but still, GG's, dude. 14, 2, and 2 with what most would consider the best bad deck. Yeah, I agree, and I think you're right on this is probably like the last opportunity for this deck to make this deep of a run, even though we have a couple more regionals in this format. I just think now that like it got this far and this close that people are just going to go, cool, I'm going to throw that like one of extra tech that's going to help across other matchups, but then also just completely you know, turn this off. And so I think it will probably get pushed back down a little bit, unfortunately. But either way, Brandon piloting this to this far, I mean, we've seen people try to make runs and try to make runs like incredible players and just not able to make it happen. And yeah, I mean, it's pretty just a streamline, disrupt your opponent, list four marnies three judge uh a four three line of the glaring wheezing boost shakes uh temple of sinos just everything you need to go i'm gonna do my best to not let you play the game and poison you and till you pat or till you faint you know it's like yeah yeah no for sure and uh, that unfortunate misplay by by nick moffitt where uh they put down the Oranguru, saw one extra card that they didn't, ha- they they weren't supposed to be able to do that because the Weezing was still in the active. It's just so unfortunate. Like it, it it cost Nick the game after several Pokemon going down to the neutralizing gas and severe poison. Um, and Lost Box just doesn't typically have a really good matchup against E Turn that that spined on Weezing in the first place. So it, it definitely sucks, but. <laughs> you know, it's you got to tech accordingly. If you if you don't think you're going to see it at top tables, it's a good chance you might see it at top tables. Yeah, exactly. And so many abilities out there right now. Weezing just so strong, and I'm I'm glad I didn't have to go against a Weezing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. And then we only have one honorable mention, and the reason why I pulled this one out of the trenches is because it's our good friend Nine Card TCG who made day two with Lugia V-Star Single Strike Box. This deck is cracked. Yeah. I mean, whenever I saw the post about he, what he was playing, I was just like, wait, we're not in post-rotation yet. What's going on? Um, but no, it's really cool. I know he's a big fan of Urshifu and then just Single Strike in general. And 
I mean, I'm sure he caught a lot of people off guard with being able to just like one shot things and you know using Umbreon's ability to boss things up and just also being able to cycle those energies back in even whenever he does get knocked down and be able to use them all over again, which is something that Lugia right now um, can't do in its nor- it's like normal deck list. It, if those energies are gone, they are just gone forever. And this being able to loop those back in is just really cool and just really awesome to see that he was able to make day two with this. Yeah, it it just shows that if you put in the repetition and you're really like passionate about forcing something into the meta, the way that you play will do just that. This deck runs no tech other than the single strike stuff. You would think with putting two three prize targets into um, the field in the form of Urshifu and Umbreon, you would be super susceptible to uh, Eveltal plays and stuff like that. But it just seems like this deck is designed to race your opponent, take big knockouts left, right, and sideways. It also has the Drapion plus the Umbreon for the Mew counter, so that's not a big deal. The Urshifu deletes everything off the board with GMAX one blow. I just, you know, it, on paper, this deck works incredibly well. The unfortunate issue is having to cut back on things like Archeops, where he's only running three, and he's running three Ultra Ball and three Evolution Incense. So you are taking... A lot of what makes the common Lugia deck out, but forcing in some really strong attackers. And I just, I can't say enough about the guy. He's an outstanding person, great player, and it's super sick to see them have results with something they really wanted to play. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, the three Archeops has always been a big topic of debate amongst Lugia players because you technically only can use two, but you just want to see them consistently. And so... As long as you, this, I mean, Nick shows us that as long as you can, like, save your resources and resource manage really well, you can still make three work. And he did, especially with, with having, like you said, those lower search counts and things like that, too. Yeah, uh, he is playing the one of Kakui. Um, not 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 Kakui, sorry, but the uh, Burnett that Burnett, allows yeah. you to go grab two cards and put them directly into the discard pile, which I'm sure helps with that Archeops issue. But I would be so distraught if I went in and I was like, cool, I prize to Archeops. I get to play with one for the rest of the game. Let's get this done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, super sick. Uh, congrats, Nick. You are insane. Very, very cracked player. But now let's move on to Bokum that had 767 Masters. First place was Lugia. But not your run-of-the-mill Lugia that you typically see. This one runs a one of Vikavolt V as well as a Pokemon Go Zapdos. Why? <laughs> Why are we seeing this? I honestly don't know, but I know that item lock can be very strong in the right situations. And I mean, I guess against certain matchups you can throw that in there or throw that out once you get your Archeops out and lock your opponent out if I had to guess it would probably be for your lost box matchup primarily but I mean I don't know it's I think you already have a decent lost box matchup as it is so but then again Milos was able to pilot this to a first place finish so it's gotta be good I mean, question question mark? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. They're running the two-speed lightning energy, one vacuum, one collapse stadium, plus the pump kaboo. I think that this was hard-targeted to not lose to Reggie's. Um, 
Obviously, Regis has plenty of draw and things like Path to the Peak to stop Lugia, but sometimes all you need to do is pop down Zapdos and pop down the uh, Vikavolt, get enough energy on it to start paralyzing Bolt, and that'll carry you the rest of the game. Nah, you just gotta get hit a good Reggie player and then get around it, because I 2-0'd a Vikavolt. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> but did you 2-0 a Lugia Vikavolt? I did not, and I don't know if I would've, because that is wild. <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely busted. Um, I don't, you, you know, it definitely puts um, Lost Box in the crossfire of that deck and still maintains a lot of the common attackers in Lugia list featuring the Radiant Charizard, the Amazing Rare Raikou, the Stoutland, the Veltal, uh, but single Luminion, I'm not sure that changes a whole lot because there's still a ton of draw support in this deck. Exactly, and you can loop it back in too, which means you can just constantly use it over and over. So one, I guess you can squeeze by with one, but I'm always just a big fan of having the second. But I I tend to agree, making more value out of the Irida that I like to play in my list. But still, GG's super sick. Obviously, it's not diversifying the meta too much, but Vikavolt will give you an upper hand in most instances. Yep, exactly. Yep. Uh, second place is uh, Hermione Halatali. Uh, it's like Hala Atia. Oh my god, I am so bad. Hail uh, Atalite. Yes, that's how you say it. Um, running Lost Gudra. Like, everyone thought this deck was dead. It seems to be back. Yeah. Um, something that I was kind of worried to run into. I actually saw a couple at Knoxville, too. Um, but just one of those decks that it's. It, I don't want to say it was a one-hit wonder, but it kind of blew up, and then it just kind of went radio silent for a little bit. And uh, I did happen to see the top eight standings, and I was like, oh, Reggie's in top eight. And I'm like, oh, it's matched up against Gudra. I was like, all right, well, Reggie's is out because Gudra is just so strong against those certain matchups. I mean, being able to heal yourself, reduce damage being taken, um, the Roxanne plays, just very very strong deck overall um and it's pretty cool to see this make an appearance again and not just like a top eight appearance but like actually a final you know it's second finals uh finish over in europe but you know still a finish nonetheless yeah i mean you're playing against a a deck that has plenty of switch outs in the form of four rope three uh yeah three rope four scoop and three regular switches I don't think that this uh, Gudra was scared of getting stuck behind Regice one bit. Um, no Manaphy, though, which is kind of spooky if you're having to use the early parts of the game, throttling a bunch of cards in the Lost Zone and recycling Comfies. So I would imagine that being just a little bit problematic. I'm sure it didn't come up much in the final, but I don't know. I feel like Manaphy still belongs in a Comfy deck. Yeah, I, I agree too. Um, I think with so many switching options as well, maybe they're kind of going for more of the long game on the getting the Mirage Gates off and kind of saving their scoop-up nets to be able to scoop up those companies and get them off the board and maybe just leave like two lone Gudras there so they can switch in and out. You know, you know depending on the matchup, maybe even just one. But yeah, I, I agree. I think anything that has... a semi-weak Pokemon that's going to be a bench sitter. Yeah, I think you just need Manaphy right now in this format because there's so much um, opportunity to snipe with things like Raikou and Lugia, which is absolutely massively played. And uh, surprisingly, there was a lot of amazing Kyogre running around too that I saw. So that's even crazier, in my opinion, than the amazing Raikou. 
Yeah, once Azul got off that deck, everyone said it's time to play that deck. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, uh, exactly. It definitely looks very spooky, but I don't think Gudra's really that concerned about something like that specifically because you just oh no, my bench Pokemon went down. You still can't take care of me in the active. Yeah, no, no, no I'm not talking about the the that one, Kyogre. I'm talking about the amazing one that does eighty to everything. Oh, yes, yes. Amazing Kyogre is also very spooky. <laughs> yeah, because you're knocking out all the comfies. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And then the last tournament we're going to talk about very briefly is the Aichi Champions League. I was uh, tuning into so many live streams from different things, specifically Halo, and that's on me. But I did catch the finals, and it was Lost Box versus the new Gardevoir EX, uh, the Lost Box featuring things like the Sky Seal Stone, Drapion, Raikou V, uh, but this is the first big championship post-rotation, so there's no scoop-up nets, and the Lost Box still did outstanding. What can you tell me about this list, man? Yeah, so um, we're seeing lots of switching options in here, um, a lot of switching options. Uh, we're playing; They're playing four escape roads, four switch carts, um two of the new beach court stadiums and then obviously a large count of energies which is also good for retreating surprisingly no regular switches but maybe that's where the switch cart comes in since you're playing all basics anyways um but yeah i mean pretty it's pretty reminiscent of modern lost box except for you know instead of quick balls you're playing nest balls um the Echoing Horn tech is very interesting because I guess you could bring something back up and knock out with Sableye or extra damage with something like Raikou V. Um, and then for recovery, since we're no longer running Ordinary Rods because they're not in rotation, uh, two Claras, which is actually uh, really cool to see that they actually made it work um, and bring stuff back to their hand. Yes, it seems like it's really important. And I think the reason for no regular switches is because you get so much value out of Switch Cart negating a lot of the Sableye math that your opponent can kind of put on you. Everything in this deck is a basic Pokemon, so you're not really uh, struggling to find an Evo. You can just turbo nest ball and go through the motions that way. Uh, but it seems like you don't have to do a whole lot for Lost Box to be very prevalent in the next format. You've got Double right Raihan, which is great for setting up things like Radiant Greninja and Zamazenta, but four Mirage Gate and four Colrus will really kind of carry you through the meta, it seems like. Yeah, exactly. I mean, every time you do a Colrus, that's two more in there, plus however many comfies you have down. And, I mean, it just... Lost Box has popped off. You know, we think losing Scoop Up Net's going to slow this deck down so much, but obviously it's not. <clears throat> the meta as a whole is slowing down, but this deck continues to stay, to stay pretty fast and pretty aggressive, honestly. To, um, and... Without things like Big Parasol, Sableye is just going to come in and destroy things again. So um, pretty cool to see, you know, the first place finish. Yeah, definitely. And then it played against the new Gardevoir EX. And in this deck, they're running one of the Memory Skip Curlia as well. Uh, sorry, the Memory Skip routes. And then th three of the Teleport routes that's all i want to call it uh does 10 damage and then flips itself back to the bench but the other one uh you choose an attack on your opponent's pokemon and they can't use that attack next turn seems pretty good in a format that is slower and it can also freeze your opponent if they're continuously uh spitting innocently 
forcing them to have an extra switch cart and stuff like that. And then when it comes to the Curlia, they're running two, three of the Refinement Curlia that allow you to discard a card from your hand and draw two off the top of your deck, but they're running one of the Mirage Step Curlias that allow you to put three Curlias directly on your bench. And when you're trying to turbo out Gardevoirs in the form of three of the, I think it's called Shining Arcana, and then two of the Gardevoir EX, it's you're establishing a wide board state if you're able to get that Curlia attack off one time. Yeah, I agree. I, I and I actually really do like the the Ralts with the memory skip. Um, I was playing Sanders uh, old Mewtwo list that he did a couple regionals back, um, and that that is so powerful, especially in a meta where right now a lot of the big attackers only have one attack, and you can't they just can't use it uh, unless they like you said they find those double switches. So strong, but then I really do like the inclusion of the Curlia that gets the other Curlias out because. That really allows you to save some of your Raltzes and use the rare candies. So now you can actually have like multiple Gardevoirs. I mean, there's there is literally potential for you to have five Gardevoirs out because you can evolve one Curlia into or one Raltz into a Curlia, use that attack, get more Curlias out while you still have another Raltz on the bench, then rare candy and skip stages. So it's just really cool how this player thought about that and was able to make it to where they can literally just have so many Gardevoirs out so easily. Yes, and they're also running a one of the Celebrations Zacian that is a psychic type that has an ability that shall remain unnamed for the time being because I don't know it off the top of my head, <laughs> but you're able to accelerate a psychic energy from the deck onto one of your Pokemon that it ends your turn. And then for three colorless, it does an attack for 60 plus and it does 30 more damage for each psychic energy on that Pokemon. So using Gardevoir EX's ability that allows you to accelerate as many psychic energy as you would like onto one of your psychic Pokemon, but you put two damage counters on that Pokemon for every energy does give you some limitation, but forwarding them all onto the Zacian just makes it a super worthwhile attacker. And they're running two emergency jelly so that after you forwarded all that energy onto it, attacked if you or your opponent get you down to that three damage counter or say three health left threshold, you just heal it all back for the most part. And that's pretty annoying. I'd have to say. Yeah. I was going to actually bring that up too. If you didn't the emergency jelly inclusion, like that's something that it just makes absolute sense. And I didn't think about because yeah, if you're sitting here accelerating these energies to charge something up and damaging it, well that literally in between turns, heals heals all the damage that was just put onto that pokemon so i mean yeah it just makes sense so that way now you're not as scared of weakening your own pokemon by accelerating those energies and the other cool inclusion that we see too is a copy of one copy of that uh sky seal stone um because you are playing that zacian that has the the ability but also the attack that does more damage per energy you could literally save that if you really wanted to for like your last game swing to take three prizes you just accelerate a ton of energies onto it sky seal stone knock out for three three to potentially four prizes because you just accelerated let's say nine energies on it or something like that and just swing for game so really yeah. really cool inclusion yeah and it runs the miriam as well that allows you to recycle pokemon back into the deck and then draw three cards also runs a one of worker and i think like avery this draw three, you just need to have an additional 
um, asset to the card to make it usable and worker being able to delete the stadium plus draw three cards just seems pretty good uh, you know path to the peak is going to be just a little bit annoying in the future uh things like temple of Sinnoh, collapse stadium they're all very manipulative stadiums in the um the realm of where they just kind of disrupt your opponent's board state while you can still maintain your game uh I think Worker seems pretty strong going forward, just almost as strong as Avery kind of looks when you're playing in a heavy Reggie field. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. I mean, anytime like a regular draw three with no effect is just meh, but you start adding these extra effects that help your situations and your scenarios is really good. And actually, um, one of the guys that was with us this weekend for Knoxville, he had been testing on Friday a copy of Worker in his Lugia deck to just another one more way to get around something like a path to the peak, um, but ultimately we just we convinced them for the extra um, uh, vacuum. So, but it would have been cool to see see how that would have worked out for him. But yeah, no, just all around really cool list. Um, and then I don't actually don't even know what that Cresselia does. Um, that's in there. So the Cresselia is from Lost Origin. It has the Moon Glow Reverse. You move two damage counters from each of your Pokemon to one of your opponent's Pokemon. So you accelerate a bunch of energy into play, put damage counters on your Pokemon with uh, Gardevoir, and then Cresselia moves a little bit of a moth. Ah. And, you know, that's kind of, it's kind of mean. It is. I mean, and it works, and especially if you're going against something like Lost Box, where the Pokemon are pretty low HP, you don't even have to have that many damage counters for it to, you know, take a knockout for you, and only leaving a single prizer in the active. Yeah, and it's two from all of your Pokemon, so let's imagine that all of your Pokemon in play, including your active Cresselia, which you accelerated energy to from Gardevoir, you're able to move 120 damage counters. That knocks out Cramorant, while simultaneously you can't get knocked out by Cramorant because your 20 damage counters that were on the Cresselia are now moved. Yeah. So that's all all six Pokemon in play, and because you have 120 HP, you're chilling. Yeah, that's actually pretty cool tech. I, I like that. It's something I wouldn't have thought of. Yeah, the other attack is not super worthwhile, but yeah, <laughs> GG's. You know, it's sick to see the Gardevoir is kind of putting in some work, but it does look like Lost Box is going to be an issue going forward, if we didn't already know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, especially with Giratina again. Yeah, and then let's very quickly dive into the MetaShare study. The MetaShare study is brought to you by Ink Gaming. Ink Gaming has a wide variety of custom playmats, dice bags, face masks, sleeves, dice, and deck boxes. So when you use the code PCSPOD10 at checkout, you'll receive 10% off your entire order. So make sure you're checking out InkGaming.com. Bochum Regionals, Knoxville Regional, Lugia wins both, but the field looks better. Um, You know... Gudra coming in second place, Eternatus coming in pl- second place. When you're looking at Knoxville as a whole, you're seeing, in order, Lugia, Eternatus, Regis, Lost Box, Rayquaza, Palkia, Inteleon, and then Duraludon and another Lugia. And then you have Alex Shemansky, who piloted Vikavolt. That's a solid top eight. It's super diverse. It's not Lugia mirrors all day, but Lugia still stays dominant with very little tech do is there any solace i mean i think it's like it's pretty cool to see that we're getting this diversity again like even if you go further down there's so many more decks and it's just yeah lugia is still dominant but i mean we're seeing that these decks are starting to adapt and able to keep up and like we kind of touched on last week too i also think there is the factor of you know 
people are kind of getting tired of playing Lugia and playing the mirrors and this and that, but the the percentages of Lugia were very high at all these regionals, and the fact that we're seeing such a diversity in the top top ranks um, is testament to show that like yeah it's there's there's all those decks have started to adapt to get through Lugia and it's working. Yeah, no, I tend to agree. Uh, one deck that we haven't seen for a while is Mewtwo V Union. Is there any rhyme or reason as to why that is just absolutely deleted from our format? I honestly don't know, and it's kind of interesting that you bring that up because I was talking to someone about that at Knoxville um, because I noticed that the V Unions were selling at the vendors for like 30 bucks a set. Um, I was just like, it's not seeing play. Why? And um, I don't know, because it's got the built-in protection from Evil Tall. Lugia is not really playing. Most lists aren't playing Path anymore, because I know some for a while were trying to play Path to lock other people out once they got set up and everything. So yeah, I'm not sure why Mewtwo V Union, v Union isn't seeing a lot of play. Maybe that's because Sandra hasn't been playing it. But I don't know. Um, maybe things are just hitting such big numbers as well too. So. I don't know. What's your thoughts on why it's not seeing too much play? I, you know, it's a big question mark for me. I have to assume it's something along the lines of Stoutland being as good as it is, um, because you you obviously want to chew through your deck. The best things to help you chew through your deck are right now um, either Make Do, Jensino, uh, and the Curly Align, all of which can become extremely susceptible to things like Stoutland. If you're str- if you're speeding up the game that long um for the lugia player you're giving the control player uh, a very small window to execute their plan which is to basically deck you out game one and take up as much time as possible and i think that we unfortunately just aren't in a format right that with things like stoutland any veltal and everything that lugia can effectively tech in because even if you put down manaphy to stop the raikou from taking two prizes the Stoutland comes in and just does the same thing. Yes, you can come back with the uh, the Celebrations Eveltal and delete those special energies, but at the same time, that two-prize swing is really unfortunate for the um, Mewtwo V Union player. Yeah, I agree, especially because, and I think that might be true, it just takes too long for the most, point, or most part to get that uh, Mewtwo V Union deck so thin to where you're just cycling the few cards you need. Yeah, I mean, that makes total sense, especially with, with that Stoutland. I mean, and people are finding ways to make that Stoutland just absolutely horrendous to play against. Um, our friend, his son got top eight in seniors um, at Knoxville, and he was playing the Vitality Band tech in there just to be able to knock out Reggie's uh, with Stoutland to take two prizes. And it's just like, just like Jesus Christ, like you guys are really trying to make the two-prize trade-off on the single prizes like just even that much harder uh, of a game to win. And so uh, maybe Stoutland's the problem. Who knows? Yeah, well, Stoutland's an issue, but it's a manageable issue. Obviously, be the, uh, uh, what is it, the opportunity for you to prize more than two of your powerful energies is super likely. So, yeah, it is. And you, and you need those for the deck to kind of do the thing and hopefully you didn't attach the first one to lugia to either read the wind or just have that attachment for the turn 
But yeah, I mean, we kind of went on a V union tangent. There for <laughs> yeah, a we second. did. We did. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, Lugia stays pretty good. I love what I saw in Knoxville, though. A bunch of big name players playing something different, like Shemansky playing Vikavolt, which is super sick. Grant Shen running it back with Duraladon. Piper Lapine, who is an outstanding player, uh, kind of rising back to the top and taking Palkia and Telly on there uh, with the Articunos is just super sick. Uh, I'd love to see more diversity from these top name players. Uh, but then again, I also kind of like the cute text in the Lugia, so keep doing that too. Uh, with that being said, we'll move on to the card spotlight. This week's card is Judge. It is $1.75 right now, which seems a little expensive for a base rarity trainer, but it's got some effectiveness to it. Justin, what can you tell me about Judge? Yeah, I actually, I'm surprised at that price of $1.75. I mean, just because it's been printed so many times, I honestly didn't know that I probably poked out a bunch of those. Um, but no, I think Judge itself... Um, is going to be a very, it's it's going to see a lot of play come post rotation. It's going to be the the biggest answer we have to Marnie rotating, um, as well as disruption. We're actually seeing it a lot now because a lot of decks are starting to put those Orangurus in their deck. Where, um, for the decks that are playing Marnie, they're putting that one card that's going to save them back on top of the deck, expecting a Marnie. And now the Judge comes in and it goes, Hey, I know you you were trying to save that card so you can you know, recover your hand next turn, but I'm actually going to judge it so there's a bigger chance that you don't draw into that out. Um, and you're still seeing four cards regardless. So um, just a really powerful card. I mean, there is the instances where, you know, Marnie is better because it puts dead cards on the bottom of your deck, where as judge, you might draw back into those. But, you know, depending on your deck size and stuff, the variability is um, a lot less on that. Um, and like I said, just a very good disruption card um, for the format. And I think it's balanced because not only are you resetting your opponent to four, but you're also resetting yourself to four too. So um, yeah, it's just a, a really good card and it's going to see a lot of play coming up here. So, I mean, it's already seen a lot of play, but even more post-rotation. Yes. And what I've seen is that Judge really favors the player that already have a deck with a built-in draw engine in it. Uh, things like Biberel, Crobat, Genesect, uh, the upcoming uh, Rev of Room, whatever that thing is called, uh, that lets you discard an energy from your hand and then draw until you have six. Uh, Judge is kind of a safe balance between, you know, limiting your hand size while simultaneously disrupting your opponent. Uh, like you had mentioned before, stacking like that extra chorus. If you're, you've played one and you chorus into another one, you, you now have one to stack on top of your deck. Judge says no to you doing that. We are losing a Ranguru, so that's not going to be as big of a factor post-rotation, but I'm sure that there is going to be other assets to Judge that are going to make it very playable. Like that second place Gardevoir list played three, so I would imagine that Judge stays pretty good in the next format or two. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, Lost Box is still going to work on building up their hands, um, and right now the biggest... The biggest uh, enemy to Lost Box decks are like Marnie, not necessarily Path, but Marnie in general because you're putting all those important cards back in their deck and they're going to have to comfy through them again and find those pieces that they need. Um, so even in next format, they're still going to try to build up those bigger hands and Judge is just going to make it that much harder for them to succeed and then also potentially comfy two important cards from their hand that, that got put back in the deck and have to make that hard decision on which one they're going to get rid of now. 
for sure. And that about wraps it up for the card spotlight. So make sure you pick up a playset of Judge. Seems pretty good. There's one topic of news as we step into the new segment. Next segment, sorry. Um, and it's the super baller premium box set called the Pokemon Trading Card Game Classic. It'll release in late 2023, and I think that's like in in English, and then in October, it'll release in 2023 in Japan. So this will probably be available around Christmas. I would imagine it releases in Japan before it releases for us. Uh, The product will contain three 60-card decks headlined by Bayset Venusaur, Charizard, and Blastoise. Each of these decks will contain a new and reprint will contain new and reprinted cards the cards will feature a unique hollow foil pattern different from the ones in celebrations and all of the cards will feature new numbering for this box set exclusively this thing looks pretty sick justin yeah um i actually kind of wish that it was named the super baller premium box like you called it because that would be even yeah. better <laughs> no. um, yes <laughs> it, one of the things that in my uh, our friends group chat and stuff that I, I had mentioned uh, to a couple people was Pokemon just loves milking the Charizard, uh, you know, Gen 1, Gen 2 nostalgia factor. Um, this I will say this this item does look pretty awesome. It's something that, you know, if it's in the right price range, I wouldn't mind picking it up for myself for like a tabletop-esque piece. Um, but yeah, just the fact that they're printing decks with the old cards as someone who really thoroughly enjoys retro um i think it's going to be really cool um and especially just having those you know you're going to have all the the graders that are going to buy the decks just to grade the charizards which means there'll be a flood of the playables i saw cards like computer search which is like right now currently the four dollar retro card for decks those will tank in price so i can pick those up for a lot cheaper which i'm happy about and Things like that. But um, some of the inclusions that we see with this, the sleeves look really cool and super premium. Um, it comes with a cool little tray that's got like damage counter things on. I know you said you weren't a fan of the cone damage counters themselves, um, but the poison and burn markers are really cool. And um, something that is a really unique feature too is instead of like a die roll or a coin flip, they've included like this spiral. Uh, pit thing where you it comes with a little metal ball that it rolls and where it lands is heads or tails so it's just kind of a unique spin on flipping a coin um for an effect so it's just kind of a little more interactive and changes up which is pretty awesome yeah this little swirly thing reminds me of the the thing at like mcdonald's or burger king where you put the coin in and it swirls Spins. around yeah. and then it goes in. yeah yeah that, that's exactly what it reminds me of but yeah i love the uh the burn and poison counters are just like little circles that have texture to them depending on the status condition. But the cones, ah, I'm like, I'm like already so iffy on extra counters being on the table um, that don't necessarily need to be there. And the cones just don't scratch that itch for me. They're very cool to look at, but I could see it just being, you know, something that you fiddle with while your opponent's going through your turn. I will continue to use dice, but I want the playing field. The playing field is sick. The fact that it folds up and it's just so classy and very minimal in terms of design. I, I this, this thing is sick. Like for all of those in our Patreon, uh, for tabletop play, I will 100% try to incorporate this into my station because I just, I just want to play on this field. Yeah, I agree. I The biggest thing that's going to concern me is what is 
box or the game board made of. I like I hope it's not like a cheap cardboard that eventually will like, you know, get flexible and kind of soft. Like I hope they actually make it into like a a hard uh like a hard plastic, but like you know how sometimes the plastic will have that like rubberized grip and stuff on it. Do something like that and you're golden. Like I think that would be awesome and I think I think a lot of us players would pick it up just for that aspect. Like, I mean, I know there's been multiple times where I've almost picked up mats for my table just to have for, like, tabletop gameplay and things like that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, in terms of what the decks consist of, except for basic energy cards, these cards uh, in the decks are illegal for tournament play, and this product is meant to be timeless but contained in the Pokemon TCG experience for challenging friends and family. Uh this product is entirely different from the release of the Pokemon card 151, which is a set releasing in Japan on June 16th. Uh, however, we may get Pokemon card 151 as our special set in the fall uh, to coincide with the release of these of this Pokemon TCG Classic product. So um, no sweat there. We're still going to get a regular standardized set of Pokemon cards that are revolving around the original 151 that won't be illegal for play but this was this was kind of a really cool release from tpci i think they kind of hit the nail on the head except for the cones yeah yeah your little cones I, just, I can see you now you're just gonna smack them off the table yeah just i'm, I'm just gonna knock them over when you stack them it'll be funny um moving on to the listener question earlier in the episode i had mentioned we're gonna do something similar to it uh today as of recording is Pokemon Day, and I sent out a survey to our Discord and my friends to kind of fill out, and I wanted to read some fun responses that I got. And um, the first one that I want to go into is, and we probably know exactly who this answer was from our specific Discord, uh, and I said, what's your earliest Pokemon memory? And Justin, other Justin, uh, said convincing my parents to let my younger brother and I share a pack of Pokemon cards we bought at Blockbuster. Uh, in that first pack was an Arcanine card that I claimed for myself. Instantly became my new favorite Pokemon as I really wanted a pet dog at the time. Um, and I, that's super cool. You know, something that uh, when you go back and play Pokemon cards and stuff like that, every time there's an Arcanine card, it'll bring you back to that moment. Uh, I took a survey about people's all-time favorite Pokemon. There were a handful of separate responses, but two players chose Raichu. So Raichu did technically win that specific. Yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. Um, another one that I kind of liked was, what's your all-time favorite deck played? And I got some fun answers, but again, we're, we're <laughs> I'm just going to mention one. And someone says, single striker Ishifu. And I have to say that was my least favorite format ever, but I can understand the nostalgia because I I know who answered it, and they were they they ran house at my locals with Single Striker <laughs> before before Umbreon was released, and then after Umbreon came out, it was just show up, lose to Trace, and then you go you, you pack your bags, and it was a it was a terrible format, but I could completely understand why that is your favorite deck ever played um and then i asked people if they wanted to nickname their pokemon and <laughs> like and what what they would name their pokemon in the uh in the tc not tcg but the vgc and nobody answered that they nicknamed their pokemon and i am forever thankful for that 
because I don't nickname them either. I think that that is Same. silly. I, I like their names. Uh, when I asked people's favorite uh, trainer and rival, someone put N, and I don't know if that is uh, trainer something. Trainer or rival. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was about to say. Um, like, is that, your, is that because of the TCG? Because I know a lot of people have gotten burned off of N in the past, but I also know in the game he's kind of cool as well. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, one of the another cool things, uh, what is your favorite thing about Pokemon outside of the TCG, VGC, and anime? Someone said the community. It brings a very welcoming and accepting uh, group of people who just don't pass judgment and accept you for who you are. They're just there to play cards or the game, and I thought that, that was a really cool answer. And then somebody else said the plushies, and I can't tell them they're wrong because I have a pretty substantial collection myself and I, and I think that's a really good one yeah and, <laughs> good yeah no you're good and this last one I'm going to mention uh when I asked who is your favorite Pokemon streamer and content creator when I took the survey I said Andrew Mahone just because he's funny to watch he's got a personality to him and, and I like the deck profiles that he does and kind of shows how to interact with specific cards as they release but then everybody else mentioned a content creator they liked plus Katana TCG. So that felt pretty good. <laughs> made me feel nice and warm and fuzzy inside. So thanks, guys, for that. Uh, but that's all I wanted to do is kind of talk to you guys about uh, the Pokemon Day survey. If you're in our Discord, feel free to fill it out. I'd love to hear your answers. They won't all be talked about on the pod like these ones, but I had to because some of the answers were just super genuine, and I really liked them. So happy Pokemon Day, everybody. Okay, uh, Patreon Discord updates. Uh, congratulations to Blake for winning last week's Standard Locals. Uh, he won with Arcadura versus the Triple Crown competitor in Oscar who was piloting Luga. Luga, oh my god, words are hard. <laughs> Lugia, my gosh. Um, and, you know, he and I have spent some time kind of going over that deck, and, you know, he did outstanding nonetheless but you know Arcturus just kind of has that edge over pokemon that like to use special energy yeah especially you know the timing on getting it set up and everything like that it's just yeah it can be it can be rough but yeah congrats again blake for that and uh we're excited to send you some ultimate guard gear yeah for sure and real quick before we move on from this topic of discussion oh my computer just made an update sound it was really loud in my ears i played like an arc Gardevoir deck with like the refinement Corellias and stuff like that since going 3-0 drop at the locals I have been on an absolute tear with that deck specifically since like specifically against Lugias or Luga I guess is what I call it now <laughs> um, this deck is cracked so you should definitely give it a shot Justin because I think you would really like it uh, yeah I'm, I'm in the era right now I'm just going to be playing fun stuff for a while so I will definitely give that a try for sure and then unfortunately our last glc locals on ptcgo is march 8th so make sure you're in the discord as well as our patreon to participate the winner will receive some crz codes and i'll try to make it super fun you know because it is the last one as a uh, scarlet violet kind of dives into our set ptcgo will no longer be supporting that so the glc format will not expand on a digital platform um, alongside Scarlet Violet. So, yeah, make sure on March 8th you come hang out with us and we'll play some GLC on PTCGO for one last ride. And now 
We're going to make some predictions for Perth. Justin, what you got? Lugia, Lugia, Lugia. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I I think Lugia is actually probably going to be my pick. Um, just because we know the diversity of players that are down in the Perth, you know, or Australia. Um, and so what a lot of them played at OCIC. And I could imagine that um, with it being not as large of a regional as or not an international championship um, where you had all these players coming from around the world with decks to, you know, the top, top players. I think that top player group can stick to Lugia and just run house um, with the rest of the Australian locals that are going to be at this Perth regional. So, yeah, I'm going to stick with Lugia. The best the best Australian testing group is going to run house with the best deck and format currently. I'm going to put my foot in the uh in the ring for Arcadura. Uh it hasn't won anything yet and I think that it's just it's going to catch a break and get really good matchups and probably win the event. It it's unlikely, but sometimes Arcadura can get lucky like that. Yeah, and actually, I you know what? I'm gonna switch mine up. I just I just had a like a a quick thought on like metagaming. I think I'm gonna switch it to uh, Arc Intel with Articuno, or not not Arc Intel. Um, oh my god, Palkia Intel with Articuno, because I think that testing group might go. Oh yeah, we're not gonna ha- have to worry about that. We're gonna take the bird keepers out of our deck. And we're just gonna go straight streamline Lugia, and someone's gonna come in with that deck, and no one's gonna be able to get out of paralysis. So all right, I I tend to agree. I th- I think that deck is strong. I think it's poised for a win pretty soon here. But yeah, I think I'm gonna stick to Arctura. With that being said, still. Yeah, I think that's I think that's still a good call too. Right. All right, Justin, go ahead and plug the show, buddy. Yeah, guys, if you want to find me, uh, I am PokeBrewsTCG on Twitter, as well as PokeBrews uh, on Instagram. That's where I'll do most of my talking is through Instagram, uh, but you can also hit me up on both. Both places, you can find my Linktree links uh, with things like links to my TCG player affiliates. Um, there you can do some shopping, and it helps support any upcoming regionals trips. It costs you nothing extra. Um, I also do want to give a quick, huge shout-out to PvE Esports. I know I haven't mentioned them before, but uh, Edgar over there a while back um, somehow found me and decided he wanted to support me, and he's helped with some regional expenses. Um, So I just want to give them a huge shout-out and thank Edgar specifically. Um, I know they just opened up an actual storefront in Texas. Um, So if you're in Texas, look them up, maybe give them a um, shout-out and check them out. Um, then again, uh, I don't live in Texas, but yeah, they're awesome people over there and have helped me greatly. Also, if you guys want to support the show by getting some official PCS podcast merchandise, we do have a bonfire. Um, and the link to that is bonfire.com slash store slash PCS pod. And then finally, again, the Twitch stream, it's twitch.tv slash PCS podcast. And that will get going here very soon. Like I've said, every episode. So um, keep those eyes out for that. On well, you. now that I got Justin in fun deck mode, it's a uh, it's of course time for us to start, you know, tabletop streaming and so on and so forth. Uh, so that's something that we have in the works. Uh, Knoxville being over gives us plenty of time to kind of plan and map out our next move in terms of what we want to do with the Twitch, as well as some other upcoming cool stuff that we'll mention here shortly. 
Um, if you want to find me on YouTube or Twitter, check out Katana TCG. Um, if you want to go ahead and check out inkgaming.com, use the code PCSPOD10 for 10% off your entire order. And while you're there, be sure to check out Ultimate Guard's premium products and accessories. They are absolutely fantastic. I'm loving the new Cortex sleeves. I haven't had any issues with splitting or chipping or bending whatsoever. And if you'd like to join our Patreon as well as our Discord, make sure you check out patreon.com slash Podcast. Gets you entries to the monthly giveaway as well as entrance to the PCS locals, which will shortly be moving to webcam only. And that does it for the pod. Yeah, we'll catch you guys next time. See ya. We'll be right back.